Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. And today we're going to recap the UFC 2022 betting year that I had. You know, as you guys know, I rebounded from my absolute worst year in 2021 to come back out here in 2022 and put up my best numbers to date. Ended up uh, plus 53.25 units with a 25% ROI. So today I'm going to talk about, you know, just a couple like, I don't know if tips is the right word, but just a couple of like things and adjustments I had to make in order to really turn things around um, based off that last year. And then I'll also go through all the bets I made in 2022, like the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here when we get to to the wins and talk about how, oh, what a genius play. But then when we get to the losses, like, oh, that was just variance, you know, like we're, we're not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you guys. And so I'm really excited uh, to do this, man. You know, there's a uh, to go from the year I had last year, right? Like, so I, I, I lost 40 units last year, which is like crazy. But prior to that, I had, you know, six years where I ended in the green. The first three double digit profit. The next three were, you know, for my standards, just kind of mediocre. But at least I ended in the green, right? Like, you know, at least it wasn't. Uh, in the red right but um still wasn't up to my standard and then that 2021 was just really really bad and it was just one of those things where like i've been telling you guys a million times how like the whole touting shit which i'd started doing and you know so 2017 i i was still doing my best for free and i had like my best year at that time which was like a, a 44 unit year right so after putting together, you know, three years of double digit profit for free, I felt like, okay, well, the right move to do would be to to go tout and to sell my plays. And um, I thought that like I had earned that spot, right? Like, uh, whereas you see guys like a bunch of guys coming out here and they start selling their picks with losing records. They start selling their picks with no track record. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> Lock of the Night started selling his picks with a losing record. But anyways, I'm not about to come here and shit on him. I think he's taking enough heat. I don't know if enough's the right word, but uh, you know, we we left that in 2022. But um, basically, the thing with the whole tout thing, and I've talked to you guys about it a long time, is that it really got me second guessing myself because before, when I was just giving out my plays free and I was just doing it just for me, it was one of those things where. I had no hesitation to pull the trigger on these big underdog shots and and just to go against the grain and to not play things safe and and to just you know truly show why I have a perceived edge in this uh in this game. But when I started touting, it completely changed everything because you care so much about delivering for these other people, but it becomes a thing where as a result, you start playing it safe. You start getting away from the things that brought you to the dance, and, and the results clearly show that. So the first three years of being tout were just average. I mean, I still ended in the green, but they were just average numbers for my standard. And then the final year of being tout, which was 2021, was just horrendous, man. And I mean, the whole time, going to bed stressed, waking up stressed, like just not even enjoying this anymore. But I felt like, you know, like nowadays, if I want to take a, an event off, I'll take an event off. I don't feel like I need to force anything for anybody. I'm only doing this for myself. But then it'd be like, oh, but this guy bought my package. So so I owe him a, a, a pick. And, 
And that's when you start forcing things and you start betting uncharacteristically. So no excuses, but that's pretty much what happened. So, you know, I was pretty much done with the game the first half of uh, 2021. Um, so I took a couple months off, you know, and I was just watching the UFC events just as as a fan and just as someone who who enjoys uh, watching the sport. But I didn't have any bets on the line. Right. Um, but I took, you know, those two, three months off. And then started betting again and uh, stopped selling, you know, mid 2021. And then all of a sudden I turned things around. Um, and there's a few reasons why it's not a coincidence at all. Um, so let me, let me, uh, I wrote down a couple things that I think really helped me out. And uh, y'all tell me what y'all think. So, you know, the first two are pretty obvious things, you know, discipline and money management obviously i mean you guys hear that all the time but i think one of my strongest suits as a better is my discipline um i'm not out here you know anymore <laughs> forcing bets um i'm okay with sitting an event out right but when i was touting it's like you got all these people breathing down your neck sending you a, a million messages like oh when's your play going to come out then you do release a play then they're all questioning your play and it's just it was too much for me whereas now I don't give a fuck what anyone has to say about anything. You can't tell me shit. I'm just going to do me. Um, so one thing I've always prided myself on is I'm a very disciplined better. Um, the last car with Strickland and Cannoneer, the last one of this year, I didn't, I didn't feel like betting that event. Certain events, I don't feel like betting. And there's no need to force yourself. So that takes discipline. Whereas people, there's a lot of other people that just simply want action on the fights for the sake of having action talking about the thrill and the rush and it ain't about the thrill and the rush like yeah winning is great of course but i was actually really trying to stack a bankroll here you know you know it's not really about the the temporary drug feeling of winning a bet which is great of course but that's why like when you see me win bets unless people have really been talking shit to me i don't go on these big you know, victory lap tours and this and that. Just report my win and move on. Unless, unless people are really giving me heat, then I'll talk a little bit extra shit. But after a day or two, it's over with. And my losses, I don't make excuses for. So I think being very disciplined is the way to go. If you don't, if you're not feeling something, don't force it. You know, it's your money and no one else's. You don't need to impress anybody. You just got to do this for yourself. And then the money management. For me to lose what I lost in 2021 and then still be profitable overall, um, there's a reason behind that. Because even though I was making shitty bets, even though I was you know, second-guessing myself, I was still using decent money management to the point where I was still profitable. And then this year, I was able to come out here and salvage it. So your money management always needs to be on point, of course. Now, about tape and stuff like that, tape is not the be all end all but it certainly helps especially for like debutants that you've never seen before so definitely got to watch some tape on them and you know if you just kind of want to refresh on a fighter what's their current form how do they do against this specific matchup that's a great place to start um so that's kind of my opinion on tape i feel like if you're just out here watching just 10 hours of tape i, I don't i don't think it'll necessarily hurt but i think it could be a waste of time you might talk yourself out of things um so another thing is getting your mind right outside of this stuff man it's really important that 
you know, because you got to think about it around the tw- around 2020 to 2021 was when all the pandemic shit was going on. And there was a lot of uncertainty in the world. Everything is closed down. The gym is closed down. And like the gym is like my, you know, it's like my therapy, jujitsu. You know, I'm a purple belt. I train every fucking day. So when you take jujitsu away from me for a full year, you know, I'll be just a hundred percent honest with you. Like in, in, you know, late 2020 and early 2021 i was you know suffering with a lot of anxiety because i didn't have that release i was i'm you know i could have done push-ups and gone outside and ran but jujitsu is my thing so i felt like it definitely took a toll and all those things add up so what i'm trying to say is that you got to get your mind right outside of the betting stuff um and jujitsu is a good one for me because it really clears my mind and not only that it really helps me understand a lot of things of the sport that that most people don't. I mean, like you hear a lot of casuals, you see someone that's in bottom side control and they'll just be like, get up, get up. And it's like, dude, do you know what that chest on chest pressure feels like? <laughs> so that's definitely helped my understanding. But most importantly, it just helps me get my mind right. Helps me, you know, just be clear headed uh, to, to make the right decisions. Because when you're cloudy and when you're in a negative headspace, it's going to translate to other areas of your life. And as a result, you're probably going to make some mistakes you regret. So yeah, I definitely think that, you know, finding something that works for you. Jiu-jitsu is what works for me. I love music too. But if you're into art, if you're into running, whatever the case may be, like go, go do your thing. You know what I mean? Do what you got to do to get your mind right outside of this shit. Cause we know, you know, this stuff can be mentally taxing the betting game. So you got to make sure that you're, you got your mind right outside of it. So, like, for example, like, have a life outside of this, man. Like, you know, it's okay to go out on a date with a chick instead of sitting home and watching a Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira main event. Like, you don't need to be a slave to this. If there's some really good fights, you're going to watch them. And you can always watch them later. But, like, you're telling me that on a Saturday night I should sit home and watch a Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira main event instead of going on a date? that's just stupid <laughs> so um just saying like have a life outside of this um another thing i recommend not being swayed by other people by other cappers um i recommend you think for yourself i mean unless you really just don't know shit about this and you do need help from others but in that case you got to exercise the proper discipline and money management in case those people do lose that you know you don't lose your ass and that's one of the things i hated about touting is like you get you you have three great events in a row and then the next event that's when a bunch of people want to jump on your package then you lose that event and they don't get to collect what you collected either last few events or throughout the year they just fucking uh, um catch on they just you know caught onto the to the train on the event that i lost and now that's a reflection of you know, me, and then I feel terrible about it. And also it would be a thing where like when I'd lose bets while I was touting, um, I would like just feel bad about myself. I, I would be like, man, I like I, I didn't just let myself down. I let all these other people down. Whereas now when I lose a bet, I'm like, okay, on to the next. Not a big deal. You're not going to see me write paragraphs with a pity party and, you know, crying and this and that. You just move on to the next. You give props to the guy that won and that's it. You know, So that, that's, a, that's the bottom line with that. A couple other things. You know, when I said, about the not following other cappers like it doesn't matter what daniel levy thinks it doesn't matter what andrew gombas thinks it doesn't matter what nick thinks like don't get me wrong 
you can get great information from these guys. You can get very sharp bets from these guys. But if you're on the opposite side of something, just because um, I'm on this side or, or Gombis is on this side or Kalikas is on this side, that doesn't mean you need to change your pick. Like none of us have a hundred percent hit rate. So you need to think for yourself and do what's best for you. But if you're going to listen to me, make sure that money management's on point hundred percent. So you have to trust your gut at the end of the day. Again, I'm not the one placing the bets for you and you're not the one placing the bets for me. And, And another thing about that, like I said, it's all about belief. You know, don't be one of these guys that, you know, these guys are out here circle jerking each other in their discord chats and then they go on twitter and try to act like they're the mma twitter police but most of them are shitty betters anyways i don't don't even get involved in that drama i don't give like if you go on some discord channel and look it's one thing if you just enjoy talking fights with people hey by all means but if you're in some chat and 10 of the people are on the same side that does not mean that you need to be on the same side like you know, so it's okay to think for yourself and don't do this group think Twitter bullshit. It's okay to be cordial and friendly with with uh, with everybody. Well, as long as they're, you know, as long as it's reciprocated um, and they're friendly and cordial with you. But just because they're on something doesn't mean that you need to be on something. So you need to think for yourself at the end of the day. Um, and again, fuck that MMA group think Twitter. Fuck these Discord circle jerkers, man. Like. Do your own thing, man. I don't give a fuck what these guys are on. I give a fuck what I'm on. I give a fuck about how I view the sport. And that goes back to, you know, being involved in the fight game. I, I'm I'm like the reason I had this year is not because I'm some fucking genius. It's just because I've like really immersed myself, you know, whether it's training jujitsu every day, whether back in the day sponsoring fighters, whether it's uh commentating at, you know, local uh, fight promotions, the NFC, right? Um, so I've seen a lot of shit in this game and also, um, I took myself out of my comfort zone and went to go spar at, uh, you know, a pro fighter gym and just got my ass whooped on a consistent basis. But at least I got to know what all these things feel like, like what it feels like to get knocked down, what it feels like to get choked unconscious, what it feels like to fucking get calf kicked a million times. Like, I know what it get. I know what it feels like to be embarrassed by a professional fighter, just not under the bright lights, but in the training room. So, um, I think just immersing yourself in those kind of environments will help your understanding of the sport and what you're watching tenfold. And I can say that's one of the biggest reasons that my perceived knowledge is where it is where it's at. Um, so of course, think for yourself. Another thing is be. You know, I said be disciplined, but I think finding underdogs is the way to go, man. Uh, Long term. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had the saying, don't bet chalk unless it's a lock. And I stick by that. But nowadays, actually, more favorites are hitting than usual. So that there's that. But there's still always underdogs to cash every single event. And the cool thing about underdogs is that when your money management is on point, let's say you bet a plus 150. Let's say you and then you let's say you also bet a plus 200 both straight. You you risk the exact same amount on both. You only need one of them to win to profit. Now, let's say you bet on a minus 150 and you bet on a minus 200. You need both of them to win to have a profitable evening. So. 
I've always loved the underdog approach, uh, but it's not about forcing bets. It's just about, you know, you see a guy that you think should be favored and he's the dog and you take it, you know, that's, that's what they refer to as identifying value, man. So now I personally am not into risking ridiculous amounts per event. You know, I only risked more than 10 units on an event like four times this year. Um, just because I think it's a more realistic way to bet. I mean, if we're talking about percentages of our bankroll, are we going to really risk 50 to 60% of our bankroll on one event? Like, I mean, unless you're betting $5 units, I just don't think that that's you know, a sustainable way to do this. So my thing, and everybody's got their own thing, and I'm just telling you what I do. I think that one to four bets for per fight card is is more than enough, and that's what has helped me get success because, like, you bet four underdogs, same. you risk the same amount on each. Two of them win, you have a profitable evening. You know what I'm saying? You bet four favorites and two of them win, that's a losing evening. So underdogs, something to look out for. Another thing is it's okay to celebrate a victory. You know, Do your little victory lap, but, but don't, don't go on a full week championship parade. And, you know, act like you're God's gift to betting because this truly is a long-term game. And that was just one event. And now you're on to the next. Um, and usually when you get carried away and you're still posting about your win last week, you know, five five days later, and you're not even focused on what's, you know, on what's ahead of you, that's when, that, that's when you get crushed. So win like a man and lose like a man. You know, like I said, when I win bets, Unless people have been talking insane amounts of shit to me, I'm just going to report that I won and move on. You know, maybe I'll say stuff like, no, you know, uh, no 43 year old is is beating, you know, so and so in a fight, or no guy named Muhammad is losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Yeah. Maybe some tongue in cheek shit, but like, don't go on a full week, you know, victory tour. And when you lose, don't fucking, oh, I just lost because of variance. I just lost because of the, like, dude, like, Take some accountability, win like a man, lose like a man, and move on. Move on. The past doesn't even matter. All that matters is the next event. But you can learn from the past, of course. Now, some attributes I look for in fighters um, that I bet on and bet against. Someone with heart is someone I love to bet on. You know, someone that can overcome adversity, someone that you know, is literally willing to, and I hate to say willing to die in there. And, you know, shout out to to DeMar from, from the Buffalo Bills, man. You know, just, I don't know what I can do to help, but I, I hope maybe the power of positive thinking can somehow help, you know, just whatever. But bottom line, it's an unfortunate situation. And I really hope that, you know, this dude makes a full recovery. You know, it, it's, you're watching Monday Night Football and something like that happens, man. And it's just like, the thing they talk about roller coasters is what makes them so exciting is you get like the the fear of of death but without actually dying and you come out 100% which is what makes like these sports cool like you see these brutal knockouts but like we just hope that they're fine they get back up and they live to fight another day so when when shit like that happens um it makes you take a step back and it really makes you think about when these guys talk about how I'm willing to die in there like so it's one of those things. So I like betting on guys with insane amounts of heart. 
I love betting on guys with big volume edges over their opponents. A good example of that was Hione Barcelos against Trevin Jones. If you watched Hione Barcelos's fight prior where he lost to Victor Henry, he landed uh, he landed more strikes against Victor Henry in the individual rounds of that fight than Trevin Jones has in like all his UFC fights combined. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So uh, when you have a massive volume advantage, that's an angle I absolutely love long term. Another one is uh, the relentless wrestling. You guys have heard me talk about that ad nauseum. These guys that. You know, the first couple takedowns might get stuffed, but is the fourth, fifth, and sixth going to get stuffed and they just don't get discouraged and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing? Like a Marab Duvalishvili, a Bilal Muhammad, just love guys like that. And then you got to look at, uh, into guys that, you know, maybe have their foot out the door. Like those are the kind of guys I love to fade, guys that, you know, are talking about retirement, guys that, you know, have maybe lost a step. Another, this isn't as prevalent now, but, a few years ago, it was more prevalent. It was like the pre and post USADA because now, you know, these fucking chemists, like, they don't give a shit about USADA. These dudes are still coming in here juiced up, by the way. So, but if you see someone flabby, if you see, like, remember when Jay Collier uh, made his heavyweight debut against Tom Aspinall and he goes from, like, 185 to 265, like, that, that's where, you know, you take a look at, uh, you know, what kind of shape they're in. And um, another one is... I don't have an issue with fighters that fight boring. When we're talking about betting, I don't give a fuck if you fight boring. Just fight to win. I don't care if you cheat to win. And, uh, I mean, like, maybe morally I don't like it, but if you're going to cheat to win and you know that you know how to play the game, you get, a, you get away with a couple fence grabs before they take away a point. You get away with a couple uh, low blows before they, they take a point. Yeah, it's dirty. Yeah, I'd hate to be on the receiving end of it, and I'd hate to bet on the guy that receives those fouls. But at the end of the day, if you're betting on guys that are sneaky about you know how they go about it, they're profitable. Um, another one, and this is one of the most important ones, price is everything price is everything you know you line something minus 250 but he's minus 150 that's value right there you take that right there you line someone let's say minus 150 but he's plus 150 you you take that spot so the thing i see like this week i see a lot of people having all this confidence in next week's fight between ketlin Vieira and uh, uh rocky pennington and maybe i'm I'm going to eat my words on it, but they're acting like they have this huge edge, like betting, like pick them chalk on, uh, on Ketlin. And I'm like, um, is this like not going to be another controversial split decision with this state of judging? Like, do you really think she's going to be that dominant to where these judges can't fuck that up? So I have no interest in bets, like in, in fights like that for the most part, unless I'm getting big dog money. So it's interesting to me how like people think that they have such a big edge on a fight that that's most likely going to be another controversial split. So it's all about finding the right price. If Kellen was actually disrespected here and was like a dog. Okay. But same thing on the other side of Rocky was a dog. Like, unless I'm wrong and that fight's not going to be like some close split decision. I'm just saying the price is everything. Um, I love someone with a good get up game meaning when they get taken down, they can get pop back up and actually favor that more than takedown defense because if you get the takedown and then they just get, pop right back up, the takedown was nullified, doesn't count for shit. So I love guys that can pop back up. All right.
So those are some of the things um, that that I had to say. And, and it was really just about, you know, believing in myself. And even though like I was down in the dumps in 2021, even though I was questioning myself, I was feeling like, man, do I still have it? Deep down inside, I felt like, man, these are not the results that I know I can truly get. I still, there was still something deep inside of me that felt like I, I'm way better than this. My knowledge of the sport is up there. I'm training fucking jujitsu every day. Like I'm involved in this game. I know I'm better than that. So just getting back to that old process um, is what's massively, massively helped me. So I think I'm back. Um, I think it's safe to say that I'm back. And now I'd like to recap the bets I made in in 2022 and um, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and just go over it all, what lessons I took from each and this and that. So, yeah, uh, let me uh, hold up. Let me screen share. I haven't done a screen share in a while. Give me a second. All right, so I got my record pulled up. Um, I'm going to share it in the chat just so y'all can like follow along on this. You want to follow along on the screen? Um, okay, so I just shared it in the chat. Give me one second, y'all. I'm just retweeting that I'm live right now so we can get some more people in here. Now, real quick, everybody watching, can you see? Like, I know you can see that little box there, but can you actually see, like, what the bets say and all that? Like, or is it too small? Because if it's too small, like, I can do this. But personally, I prefer this. So y'all tell me, can y'all see what those things say? And if you can, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue. So all right. So. Anyways, so you know how like between like years, right? There's always that kind of like kind of like month break, right? Where you get to assess what happened the year prior and you think about what adjustments you're gonna make and um like what you're gonna do differently to to come out here and make a difference. And you know, one of those things was not being hesitant to pull the trigger not being you know talked off of something just because this guy's on it or that guy's on it or mma groupthink or the discord circle jerks like just because they're on it doesn't mean that uh you know what i'm saying that i need to be on it i want to i want to do my own thing because when they talk about that whole one percent thing i mean it's not about all these guys being on the same side there's a reason they tend to lose for the most part so I think it's important to again think for yourself and i'm gonna go back and forth because some people say make it bigger some people say not to um hold on what about this let me zoom in oh, oops um tell me tell me how this looks is that better or or not all right, but anyways, let's start off. So 
Um, yeah, and just not being hesitant. That's that's the big thing. Just you see that spot, you like it, you have a good read. That doesn't mean you need to go listen to all these other podcasts and have them talk you off of it or anything like that. Like, listen, if you want to listen to me because you find me entertaining or you feel like I'm going to provide you with some information that you wouldn't have heard anywhere else, whatever the case may be, or you just don't have the time to study for your to study, whatever, I get it. But at the end of the day, you have to think for yourself. Because like I said earlier, what I think, what another sharp might think, we might be right a lot, but like, you know, we're not always right. So you really need to think for yourself. But anyway, so you have all those, you know, you know, you I have this whole month of reflection, right? And in that, about man, I'm gonna come back with this big comeback. Um, I'm gonna start hammering. I'm gonna start going bigger on plays that I'm more convicted on. And I'm going to really just go for it. So coming off my worst year, the first event of 2022 was the Calvin K versus Giga Chikazi run, right? <laughs> so this is kind of funny. This is something that, like, you know, tested my will and tested my, you know, I'm at, because I was questioning if I still had it anymore. Um, because when you talk to people about gambling, they say, yeah, you can do it, but eventually you're going to finally lose right um but am i gonna finally lose a couple bets or am i gonna finally lose my entire bankroll and had things gone in the same direction as they had gone in 2021 that could have been the end of me so there were a lot of adjustments that that had to be made 100 percent, and i wanted to go bigger on plays that i was convicted on so i'm coming out here off this one month break right and First event of the year is Giga Chikazi versus Calvin Cater. And I'm thinking to myself, like, hey, listen, you know, Cater's this one-dimensional boxer taking on one of the best kickboxers on planet Earth. So I was like, I'm going to go big on Giga Chikazi. I'm going to fire this spot. Initially enough, you know, I, I risked five units on him. <laughs> originally, listen to this, originally I was going to risk 10 units on him, which is fucking crazy, and I'm really happy I didn't do that. Um, So, yeah, I... I terrible bet you know fucking calvin did his thing that night i also bet on joe anderson brito to beat bill algio that one was one one going to the third round came down to a back take in, in the last uh like minute of fight so it was what it was but props to algio but the cater chikazi one so now you have this one month of soul searching plant plotting the big comeback and you start the year minus 7.5 units right like does that is that not gonna fuck with you? Is that not gonna make you think that like, you know, maybe maybe uh maybe this just isn't for me anymore. Maybe I already made my profit and I need to dip out. But I still believed in myself. I still believed in myself and I still thought I had what it takes to to succeed. So the next event comes around and it was the Francis and Ganu versus uh Cyril Gan card, right? I took two units on Francis and Ganu at plus 130 on, on the baddest man on the planet. And, you know, people can talk about, oh, but you didn't think he was going to come out here and wrestle him. Listen, you give me plus 130 on the baddest man on the planet. I don't give a fuck if he calf slices him. Just go out there and give me the win. But, you know, if you watch his fight with Stipe prior, the second Stipe fight, which I also bet on Francis there, 
I mean, Stipe is a D1 wrestler, and Francis went out there and suplexed him. So it was like, no, I, I didn't go into it thinking. Fran- I didn't have any expectations of is he going to knock him out? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? I just was. I was just like, this is a good number on Francis. I'm taking it. Uh, period. Um, but yeah. So and then he ended up showing up s- some more wrestling, which he showed in the fight prior against Stipe. So I was happy about that. Then I also bet on Davis and Figueredo against Brandon Moreno at plus 160. This is the third time they fought. So the thing that's interesting about the Moreno and 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 Figueredo trilogy is that all three fights have been drastically different. First fight, although I thought Figueredo won, it was a draw. And, and it was a competitive fight. Second fight, Brandon Moreno mopped the floor of them. So that right there kind of made me feel like, well, we've seen them fight, you know, over a large sample size, and every fight's been drastically different. So there's a chance this one's going to be different too. So I took the plus 160 odds uh, on Davison uh, Figueredo and that cashed. And what I guess I recommend in the quadrilogy, you know, their fourth fight, is that now that you have a three-fight sample size between these guys and you have no fucking idea what to expect because every single fight is different, if you get nice dog money on either side, take it. Um, and then I bet on Simone Oliveira who made his debut against Tony Gravely, one unit at plus 205. You know, props to Gravely, who's a better man. Uh, but look out for Simone Oliveira coming back on that Brazil card. He's someone I'm going to keep an eye out for. Kind of like uh, here with Joe Anderson Brito. I might have lost the first time, but I went back to the well against Andre Feely, and it paid off. So the next event uh was selective i only took phil Rowe to to beat jason witt i mean when you give me pick em odds on the guy with the longest reach in the history of the division against the guy with the worst chin in the history of the sport seemed like a no-brainer so yeah phil Rowe took him there next event we had the bobby green versus nasrat you know just back to the volume difference the volume difference is huge i love that angle we had Carlos Olberg against Fabio Charant. You know, Fabio Charant is a guy that literally like attempts three strikes per round. Back to the volume talk, like we said with the Bob Green. Here, like Carlos Olberg didn't need to take any risks. Just throw five strikes per round. That's more than this guy's three, and you're gonna go out there and win the fight. Play it safe it was easy work because Fabio Charant doesn't throw any strikes. And then Maxim Grisham and William Knight. I believe this is the fight where William Knight like pulled an epic stunt on, on the scales, like missed by like. A ridiculous amount. Someone in the chat let me know how much uh William Knight missed by in the uh Maxim Grisham fight. And I think it was up away class. So yeah, I took Grisham there. That came through. Next event, not my best one. Um the bet I was most confident on was David Onama to beat Gabriel Benitez. That came through, but then Jessica Rose Clark against Stephanie Egger. I mean, trying to initiate the clinch with a judo. With a credential judo player, big mistake. Razak and Buckley could have gone either way, but this that's a bet I'd make again. Plus one fifty shot on a fight that could on a split decision is was what it was. I bet on Nicholas Mata in his debut against Jim Miller. Just a bad bet because the experience difference plus it being his debut it just wasn't ready. So you know, props to the legend Jim Miller. Um so next we had did a little parlay, you know. Don't bet chalk unless it's a, unless it's a lock. Jamal Hill over Johnny Walker is a lock. Andre Koreshkov over Chance Encounter is a lock. So that that's where you parlay a spot like that. That came through. Next event, 
we had Wellington Terman to beat Misha Serkunov at plus 116. And that was nice because I love fading Misha Serkunov, especially at dog odds. Uh, just one of the most unreliable fighters in the history of the sport. Armin Sarukin against Joel Alvarez. That was a beatdown. I laid four units at minus 200. Very happy with that performance. Ignacio Bahamondes against uh, Shu Rong. I was like, <laughs> I think I tweeted something funny. I tweeted, because remember Shu Rong like, missed weight and dyed his hair pink? I was like, no guy that missed weight by, what was it, by five pounds and dyed his hair pink is beating. Oh, no, no, that's not what I said. I said, if you think that a guy that dyed his hair pink and missed weight by five pounds is going to beat Ignacio Bahamondes in a fight, then you wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So cash that. And then I was just wrong about Ferezian versus Terrence McKinney. My thought on Terrence McKinney was that you extend the fight. You know, he tends to have a lot of sketchy moments, but unfortunately, Ferez wasn't able to um, extend the fight. And as a result, he lost. So. Now, this event was actually a really frustrating one. UFC 272. So I had a very sharp bet on Bryce Mitchell over Edson Barbosa. Great bet. But then, so listen to this. I bet Yan John, I bet two units on her at plus 250 to beat Marina Rodriguez. It was a split decision. Went to Marina. You know, props to her. But but that that's a bet I'd make 10 times out of 10. You give me plus 250 on a split decision type fight, and I'm doing it all the time. So I didn't have any shame there. The controversial one was the Tagir over Tim Elliott. You know, um, a lot of people were telling me if there was no value on Tagir. Turns out they were right. I ended up having to do a shoey for that. But um, even though I actually think Tagir won the fight, it was just too close for my liking. I thought it was going to be a little bit more dominant than that. So props to props to Tim Elliott on, on that win. Next event, I go out there, and I mean, this is another one of these angles that I love. Um, the new guard ushering out the old guard like that's an angle as true as time so when you get song yadong against marlon marais i hammered it at minus 240 right to win two units when you get sodic yusuf against alex caceres i love alex caceres but let's be honest sodic yusuf is more so climbing to the top of the division not that alex is on his way out but alex has been in the game a long long time so that was another one i hammered and then interestingly enough i took bruno silva at plus 170 against alex Pereira. i thought that alex needed to get tested he did get tested in that fight and um he passed the test so props to him and to this day bruno still gave alex his toughest fight in the ufc right and the only man to not be finished by him too um so this one was a pfl challenger series fight I had known this kid, Demir Farhad Begovic, because he beat one of my friends. And this guy who was fighting, BJ Bland, was like some Australian leg lock jobber guy that had no business, you know, fighting in a big league. And yeah, so I felt like I had an edge there because no one knew who Demir is, but I've known about him from the regional scene for years. So I took advantage of that. Now, this was, I think, my best event of the year with the Volkov versus Aspinall. And this is one of the ones where, like, you know, I talk about not taking your victory laps, but. I took my victory laps here because I took Aspinall and Arnold, uh, Tom Aspinall and Arnold Allen, and I felt like they were extremely disrespected. And I took them both at dog odds, man. I mean, I, two units, Aspinall plus 110. Two units, Arnold plus 105. Like, those were spots where I took the victory laps and got cocky and got carried away, but only for a day. You know, it's not like I was out here the next week talking about it. It's just because people were disrespecting Arnold Allen. 
people were disrespecting Tom Aspinall. And I think that they're, they're two of the best prospects in their respective divisions. So no disrespect for me. I was going to capitalize. And then I parlayed Kevin Holland to beat Alex Cowboy when he knocked him out in the second round. And I bet, and I parlayed him with Patty Pimlet to beat uh, Rodrigo Cazula Vargas. So that was a great, fantastic night. So then I get a little cocky. And I bet on Carl Hosa to beat Sarah McMahon and just went how I wanted it not to go, you know, which is get out wrestled for two of the three rounds. And the third round, you started to see certain certain past tendencies come out of Sarah McMahon, but it was too late at that point. So props to props to Sarah McMahon, you know, is what it is. No excuses. Um, and then here I made some really bad bets. So the good bet was Marco Madsen plus 118 odds against Vince Pichel. I was happy about that. Mickey Gall, I bet him at plus 170 against Mike Malott. I thought Mike Malott was unproven. And even though Mickey Gall isn't that good and he's someone I like to fade, he at least had a lot more UFC experience than a guy making his debut. But he ended up getting knocked out. So props to Malott. Daniel Willie Cat Santos, I took him against Arce at plus 160. I thought his forward pressure was going to be a lot to deal with. And Damn, Julio Arce's counter game was on point that night. So props to him. But I ended up going back to the well with uh, Santos against uh, Castaneda, which we'll talk about later. And then I parlayed Ian Gary, who's like been a money train. I mean, his last fight with Gabe Green, I, I fucking love everything about Ian Gary. Don't even try me on this Conor McGregor bullshit. Just because he's Irish does not mean that he's a Conor McGregor wannabe. Don't even try me on that. Um, but this Yan over Sterling bet was one of my worst bets of the year because even though I actually thought that Yan won the first, uh, fourth, and fifth, it was irrelevant because going into the fight, I thought he was just gonna he was gonna uh, take out the trash. He was gonna you know go out there and put insult to injury and finish this chapter once and for all. And the fact that Sterling had two dominant rounds in that fight, hey, that's not something I capped. That's not something I saw happening. And sure as hell, even if Yan won the split decision, that minus 450 was not justified. And it's probably one of my worst bets of the year. Next event, and got to my money train, uh, Bilal Muhammad. I mean, like, dude, death, taxes, bet Bilal Muhammad. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to win long term, certain guys I have in my roster, like, where it's like, you bet these guys every single fight. I mean, assuming the price is right, and the price was right here, plus 160. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So he was plus 160 against Vicente Luque. Um, and I was very, very happy with that performance. And y'all that are bitter against Bilal, just start betting on him, and, and, and you'll like him, you know? And people talk about market overcorrection and recency bias and this and that. Shit's not applying to Bilal because he was like plus 220 or 200 against Wonderboy. Plus 160 against Vicente, plus 115 against Sean Brady. Like, he's the underdog every fight. What, you mean to tell me that now he's going to be minus 200 against Usman? Yeah, right. So there is no market uh, overcorrection with him, and I'll ride that that train until the wheels fall off. Let's say I lose my next bet on Bilal. Still be like 9-1 and one in my last 10. So this guy is profitable long-term. And I bet on Kyle Bohio to beat Gadzi Omar Gadziev at plus 110 as well. Um, so that was a very good night. Then I, then I dabbled a little bit in, uh, in, in PFL. You know, I took uh, Clay Collard to beat Jeremy Stevens. Put two units on that. Um, yeah, I think Jeremy Stevens is on his way out, and Clay Collard pushes a ridiculous pace. 
I've been on Haush Manfio to be Don Madge, and it came down to the final round. But man, I was happy with that dub. I've been on Natan Schulte against Olivier Aubin Mercier. Actually, kind of think there was an argument he won that fight, but it is what it is. I took plus 145 on like a split decision type fight, and, and I do that again. So, you know. Uh, I took a one-unit shot on a Russian at Dogos to be Enrique Barzola and uh, Bellator. That didn't come through. I didn't even watch the fight. I was at, at some chick's house, and later on, I checked my phone, saw he lost. That sucks. I bet on Charles Jordan to beat Lando Venata because, again, it's like I love ushering out these old guard guys with these new school guys, and especially at good prices, like minus one five. Um, so, yeah, I was happy about that. I probably should have gotten bigger on it. This was a very good event for me. So Marlon Vera, I talk about like Bilal Muhammad being one of my money trains. Marlon Chito Vera is one of my money trains as well. Because the thing about Bilal is that he's just so intelligent, has a different game plan every fucking fight. And just like when you think he's going to strike, he takes you down. When you think he's going to take you down, he strikes. Um, He's got a lot of surprises in this game. Whereas Marlon Vera is one of these guys, and I've always described his style as chill, chill, chill kill 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 and it, it, it's funny because he'll like drop the early rounds and they'll just murk guys and it's one of those things where i don't like relying on you know i don't like you know relying on guys that need finishes but i think that marlon chito vera is an exception um i mean first he's got the most finishes in the history of that weight class but like it's one thing when you are losing most of the fight and you get a finish in the later round, you know, once. But when you do it as much as this guy has done, it, it's not a fluke anymore. It's not a coincidence. That's just how he fights. So, yeah, I'll I'll bet Marlon Vera at dog odds against anyone at Bantamweight. A- anyone. Um, except maybe Umar. <laughs> but, no, but they're not going to fight anytime soon. And then I bet on Joe Anderson Brito at plus 250 against Andre Feely. Um, you know, after I lost on Brito against Algio, uh, I didn't give up on him and I just came back and went out there and bet him at plus two, uh, 250 against Joe Anderson Brito. And I think that's one of my best bets of the year. I mean, starched him right away. Next event, I took Randy Brown to beat uh, Chaos Williams. Close fight, but I'd rather be on the dog in a close fight. And then I've been on Justin Gaethje to beat Charles. Um, bad bet for sure. You know, going into it, I thought when a champion misses weight on the scale and loses his belt, that that's going to have a big psychological toll on your performance. And it didn't. The guy was even hungrier. The guy showed up just determined beyond belief. So, hey, props to him, man. Um, this is this is one. This next one is one where I actually took a couple weeks off of betting because I was really bummed out about this. Um, Alexander Rakic against Jan Blachowicz. So I laid a chalk on Rakic thinking we're going to get some top control. We're going to win three of the five rounds, possibly finish him. And then his knee blew out. <laughs> and people like to talk about leg checks and this and that. It wasn't even on the, like it had nothing. It was like a pre-existing injury. It had nothing to do with checks. Like when you talk about injuries related to checks, you're talking about Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman. You're talking about Chris Weidman, Uriah Hall. You're talking about, um, What's the name of that tall, skinny dude? Corey Hill, you know? So th- those are, you know, due to the checks. But what happened to Rockage? he blew out his knee from a pre-existing injury. So it was just really unfortunate. And it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth, and I didn't want to bet for a little bit after that. 
So I come back the next month in June, try to test the waters in PFL, have a break-even night. I lost on Haush against against uh, Mercier at plus 170, but I won on Schulte this time against Marcin Held. So just a break-even night, uh, nothing special. Next night, or next event, I took Demir Ismagulov, who, by the way, he just retired, man. So, you know, shout out to him. I hope that he gets health issues in order because he's a serious talent. Um, so I bet Demir, not just that I bet Demir, I bet him against a fucking stud in Guram Kutateladze, who was coming off a win over Gamrot. Cash that, close fight. And then Jeremiah Wells, I got dog odds on him against a guy on his way out, and he knocked him out brutally in the first exchange. So I was happy about that. Next event, I put five units on Sean O'Malley to defeat Pedro Munoz. I just thought that you can't be a punching bag and beat Sean O'Malley in a fight. Well, he didn't lose to him because the eye poke, you know, so it was what it was. But then I also backed to the well with Ian Gary and bet him straight against uh, Gabriel Green and won two units off that. So I was happy. Watch out for this kid, uh, Ian Gary. He's no joke. Next event. I bet, uh, so this was my next five unit bet. I bet on Rafael Faziv. I put five units on him um, against uh, the great RDA, legend of the sport. Just thought it was another passing the tour. Just thought it was another uh, instance of ushering out the old guard, which is like something I talk about all the time. And then I bet on Ronnie Lawrence to beat Saeed Yacoub. And what's funny about this is that the way I thought Ronnie was going to beat Saeed was the way Saeed beat Ronnie. I thought it was just going to be takedown after takedown after takedown, and it was, except it was Saeed doing it to Ronnie. So just take that one on the chin. Props to Saeed. Next event, we had Yair Rodriguez against Ortega. I bet two units on Yair at plus 155. He got the job done, injury or not. I mean, that's, you know, an injury is a legitimate way to win a fight. So plus, it's not like I laid chalk on him. I mean, got him at plus 155, and he won on the ground, <laughs> which is crazy, <laughs> after absolutely lighting him up. And then I gave Dustin Stoltzfus a chance at dog odds against Dwight Grant because Dwight Grant, another one of these super low-volume, power-reliant guys, throws like no strikes a minute, you know. Occasionally, he'll wing a big shot. Avoid that big shot, you win the fight. Stoltzfus was able to get it done. Next event. So I was really high on Nikita Krilov to beat Alexander Gustafsson. Alexander Gustafsson is completely washed up. He's on his way out. He's dealing with injuries. He's just coming in here for a paycheck. He's already retired more than once. So, yeah, I was all over Nikita there. And then I parlayed. I don't always parlay, but when I do, um, I parlayed Jason Jackson to beat Douglas Lima. And that's one of those spots where you got to take your bias out. You know, Douglas Lima is an ATL guy. He's done a lot for the scene over here. You know, former... Uh, multiple time Bellator champ and just a really positive influence in the in Georgia MMA scene, right? So, but I took his opponent, Jason Jackson. I just thought that, you know, when you put Douglas Lima on his back, he doesn't get up, period. And then, <laughs> and then I parlayed that with Patty Pimblett to be Jordan Levitt because, I mean, you guys know my reasoning. No grown man that twerks is beating Patty Pimblett in a fight. So that was a good event. Next event, I lost one unit altogether. I lost a unit on Juliana to beat Amanda plus 240. I won a unit on Sergey Pavlovich to beat Derek Lewis. And I lost a unit on Rafael Alves to beat Drew Dober. Took a couple dog shots. Only one of them came through. Lost a unit on the night. Was what it was. You know, props to their opponents. You know, I'm not going to sit here 
blaming on variants or I, I was on the wrong side period next event this is one of my best bets of the year i bet on jeff neal plus 155 against vicente luke i had people messaging me telling me how luke was the lock <laughs> the lock of the night right <laughs> oh my god man that 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 shit bro something we leave, we're leaving that in 2022 guys i'm sorry to everyone that dealt with that but yeah people were sending me crazy messages about how like Dude, uh, Vicente Luque is going to kill Jeff Neal. And it was good to see Jeff Neal after, like, the procedures he had gone through, almost dying, like, finally getting back into form. And I'd say that that's the best Jeff Neal we've seen since, you know, he was beating Bilal Muhammad. He was knocking out Nico Price. Like, he was doing his thing. Uh, so it's good to see him back on track. And then back to the parlays, like, don't bet chalk unless it's a lock. Mihal Oleg against Sam Alvey is a lock period and i parlayed it with jamal hill jamal hill another one of my money trains another guy i mean as long as the price is reasonable i'm gonna bet him pretty much every single fight because uh good investments make good money according to my boy so yeah i parlayed alexander to beat sam alvey with jamal hill to beat tiago santos then <laughs> i got gifted with the uh Juan Adams fade. You know, I will not hesitate to fade Juan Adams, especially at Dog Odds. So I took Mateus Sheffel plus 152 to fade him. And here's where things get kind of interesting. So I made a huge mistake not playing Marlon Vera straight against Dominic Cruz because for some reason I was under the impression that, well, Bruno Silva just gave Alex Pereira his toughest fight. He's about to come out here and start Gerald Mearshart. And it was Mearshart who was dropping Bruno Silva and choking him out. So hats off. You know, props to you, man. You're fucking awesome. I should have just bet Vera straight. But this was one of my best bets of all time. Nate Landwehr plus 265 against David Onama. And when you hear the rumors about how people on their Discord channels are allegedly laying millions on Onama, like I said, fuck group think fuck these guys you know jerking each other off in their discord channels and you know all the group the group think uh mma twitter and the twitter police fuck them all man think for yourself so yeah i took nate landwehr there my reasoning was if you can get me past this first round i think you can take over and the first round was sketchy he almost got pulled out. He, he almost he almost got put away but he was able to eventually come through and, uh, and and get the dub, do exactly what he was supposed to do, break him in the second and third round. So I was very happy about that. Next event, I took uh, Marab against the great Jose Aldo, really paying me to do that. You know, you know the kind of love I got for Aldo. I got a fucking signed picture of Aldo with a WEC belt framed on my wall. Like, fucking love Aldo. But... You know, it's all about the new school ushering out the old school. So as much as it hurt, you take your emotions out of it and, and you do your thing. And then this dude, Angelusa, taking on AJ Fletcher. So Angelusa had never won a fight in the UFC. But what you had to understand about Angelusa, this guy fought Jack Della on a contender series. This guy fought Munir Lazez in his UFC debut. So AJ Fletcher, who's only got one round of gas, this was clearly a big step down in competition. Plus, they gave me dog odds. So I was willing to roll the dice there. Next event. So Ferez Yam, another example of where like I, I bet on the prospect and lost the first time, like with Joe Anderson Brito 
uh what, what was the other one i mentioned where like i lost the first time but won the next time there's another one um but joe anderson brito is a good example of that but Fred yam is, is another example um he was plus 170 here against michael figlack who you know is a tough kid but i just didn't think that you know he had paid his dues to the extent that uh that Fereziam had. So I was willing to take a one year shot at plus one seventy. That came through. He, he looked the best he's he ever has in his career. Hey, y'all leave me some comments, man. Looked the best he ever has in his career. And then Christian Quinones, the brother of Jose Teco Quinones, um, fought Kali Taha. And that was another one of those big output difference fights where like you watch the contender series with Christian Quinones nonstop volume, nonstop output. Whereas Kali Taha doesn't really do much until he swings those big bombs. So you avoid those big bombs, you're going to be up on the scorecard. So I, I love betting guys with big volume against guys with no volume. Next event, I just took Johan Linnaeus straight. Um, I think that the guy's got some interesting, some unique power, and you know, it's paid his dues a little bit, but uh, still kind of green. But I thought that Darian Weeks just didn't belong in the UFC. Period. Point blank. So, and plus they're giving me dog odds. Yeah. So. That was a no-brainer for me. Now, this this event, this next one, I had a fucking terrible event, man. So I bet on, I guess the closest I got were these first two. You know, Song Yidong against Corey. You know, Song Yidong was up on all the scorecards going into the fourth or the fifth round. I don't remember. Um, so he won the first, like, two or three rounds unanimously or, something, or two rounds or something. Bottom line, I bet him at plus 175 that he was out here winning rounds. So... You know, if they fight again, I'd make that same bet. Bill Algio against Feely, even though I think Feely Feely cleared the one, even though I think Feely clearly won the fight, the fact that I got dog odds on a split decision, I'll do that again. Mark Andreberio against Anthony Hernandez, terrible bet, just a terrible bet. This Anthony Hernandez is actually leveled up to a point where y'all got to really start taking him seriously now. Uh, he's got that relentless wrestler thing, uh, and after he submitted a. Uh, Adolfo Vieira, his confidence is probably skyrocketed. So someone to look out for. And then the infamous Daniel Zellhuber bet, man. I mean, he was in there with a guy who, in my opinion, was outmatched. But Daniel Zellhuber didn't fight, didn't pull the trigger. Was The lights got to him. But the good news about that is even though we lost this time, next time he fights, he's probably going to be undervalued, and he's actually going to go out there and perform like he did on all his other fights. So. I haven't given up hope on him, but that was a bad bet. So this event, another one of my best events of the year. So first off, we had Joaquin Silva against Jesse Ronson. Uh, Death, Taxes, and Jesse Ronson does not win UFC fights. We had Daniel Santos against John Castaneda, plus 175. And this is one of those ones I want to talk about. Because, you know, I was talking about how, like, you got to think for yourself. I do whenever I post a bet and people start commenting, oh, easy money or free money and then everybody's telling me oh yeah that's 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 the am i gonna say lock the night again? that that's the best bet on the card like that's uh i'm tailing all that shit like sketches me out like i do not like being on the same side as everyone i like to kind of do my own thing so um but uh, the reason I bring that up is because everyone was on John Castaneda. Like, it was a foregone conclusion that this dude, Santos, doesn't belong. And I lost on Santos' first fight against Arce, but I didn't give up on him. And now, and the Arce fight was coming off like a three-year layoff. This time, had a full tra- uh, had, not that he didn't have a full training camp before, but this time, 
already got his feet wet inside the octagon. And man, he showed insane heart against John Castaneda. And I was more confident about this bet because everyone was shitting all over it. Like, <laughs> you're going to bet against John Castaneda just because he beat Miles low, no volume Johns. Like, when Daniel Santos has insane volume, it's just a different matchup. Like, you got to take it matchup by matchup. So I was very happy about that. And that's another one where I talk shit afterwards just because people were, like, saying some really, like, when people, like, actually, like, attack your character or, or just tell you, like, that this is shitty or you're a bad better or how could you think that, you know, that, that's when I'll talk a little shit. But I was at least happy that people weren't like, oh, free money, easy money, because then I would have been like, fuck, maybe I shouldn't play this. So also on that card, Hione Barcelos beat Trevin Jones. And that's something I was talking about earlier, that, like, my volume angle, right? Like, uh, Hione Barcelos landed more strikes in the individual rounds of the Victor Henry fight than Trevin Jones has, like, his entire fight career combined. So, you know. And then last but not least, back to my money trans, Yan Zhanan plus 235 against Mackenzie Dern. I mean, like, I bet Yan Xiaonan literally every single fight. She is a long-term winner. I could possibly see her being the one to dethrone Wiley Zhang on some China versus China violence. So next event, I took Dushko Todorovic to defeat uh, the Beverly Hills Ninja. Listen, I'm always looking to fade the Beverly Hills Ninja. Don't think he belongs. I He's a nice kid. I like him, but just doesn't belong in the UFC. And Dushko, he's had his ups and downs. Might fight with his chin in the air, but you have to still be a certain level to beat a guy like him. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Dusko who like had a three round war with RoboCop. Um, and it's just been in there with some tough dudes. So I was, uh, I was happy to fade Jordan right there. Always fade Jordan. Right. And then Mana Martinez against Brandon Davis. It actually played out closer than I expected, but Mana Martinez was still the one out here, you know, hurting Brandon Davis, dropping him, landing the bigger shots. And we can talk about, James Krause's little speech in between rounds, which is kind of interesting. But bottom line, I was satisfied with that event. Next event. Uh, so Carl Hosa against Lena Landsberg. Back to the volume talk. The, I mean, Carl Hosa's got like the, the best volume in the entire division. So, yeah, I thought that that was great. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov against Kyle Bohio. I'll, t- I'll take it on the chin. You know, I bet it plus 190, and I bet Kayo is last fight, but here I thought if Mahmoud could keep standing or whatever the case may be, that he could maybe get it done. And interestingly enough, it was Mahmoud initiating grappling, which I didn't foresee happening. And and then he'd get caught in these guillotines, and he'd roll to his back and then just give up position for the rest of the round. So it was... Yeah, it was just a frustrating one. It was what it was. Um, props to Kayo. Bilal against Sean Brady. Back to my money train. Bilal's my money train. He gave me dog odds against an unproven fighter. Plus, I, I don't like undefeated fighters. I mean, except we're talking about like John Jones or like the Nurmago Medovs. Okay, that's one thing. But like for other guys, like when you have an undefeated record that just means you haven't fought the right guy yet and th- like this ain't boxing where you go 20 and 0 and then start fighting the real guys like you fight real guys here when you're in the ufc for the most part right um so bilal has been paying his dues for years and he was the dog again what market overcorrection what recency bias so 
yeah, two units on Bilal there, plus uh, 116. But the bet I thought was the bet of the night was Islam Makachev against Charles Oliveira. Islam Makachev at minus 162. Is that not the discount of the century? Because, I mean, like, if you think about it, Islam, you always got to pay like minus 500, minus 750, minus 1200. Here against Volk, what is it? Minus 450. Is it minus 500, right? Like, he was only minus 160 against Charles, who's, you know, yeah, he was on a nice little run, but like, let's not forget the dude's been finished, you know, what, six times? So I was, that might be one of the best bets of all time. At that price, when's the next time you're ever going to get minus 160 something on Islam Makachev? Never. So, yeah, I was I was very, very happy about that. Next event didn't go my way. Another one of my money trends, though, Arnold Allen, you know, 100% hit rate this year. 100% hit rate in the UFC, period. Two units on him at plus uh, 110. And even though the fight ended with an unfortunate injury to Cater, and I hope Cater makes a full recovery, like, up until that point, man, like, I was smiling the entire time of how just beautiful it looks when Arnold Allen fights in there. He's so clean. He's so precise. He's so measured. Like, I love everything about that kid. And I can't wait to see him get into these big fights now. Josh Frem against Treshawn Gore. Well, at least I, pro- I proved to y'all that I don't have an issue fading someone from, you know, where I'm from, from Georgia. Like, if I thought it was a bad matchup. And even though Josh Frem doubled him up on strikes, eh, that nasty, uh, that disgusting guillotine. Some of y'all might call that a meme finish, but for me, uh, someone that grapples regularly, he just got caught with <laughs> with some ridiculous shit that there was no getting out of. So props to Treshawn. I don't think any less of friend. And if he gets a good matchup next, I'll bet him. Um, then this event, I broke even, you know, or, or made zero money on. So uh, the good was I bet Mario Bautista um i laid four and a half to win two on mario bautista against benito easy work i bet i bet uh to gear against nathan manis who was cutting the flyaway which is kind of ridiculous bet him to win two units that cashed but then d rod and marco madsen just didn't come through for me d rod you know take that one on the chin was what it was you know, I wish I saw a little more urgency. You know, it was 1-1 going in the third round, but kind of fucked it up at the end there. But the Marco Madsen fight, that actually legitimately pissed me off. Because it's like, you keep talking about how you're this fucking Olympic medalist and how you've had these thousands of, of wrestling matches and you're this, you're that, you're God's gift to, to MMA. And you drop Grant Dawson in the first 10 seconds. And then 10 seconds later, Grant Dawson has your back and is taking you down at will. Like, no offense, but maybe it's time to give that medal back because that that didn't look like no Olympic wrestler to me. And I get it. Freestyle, Greco, different styles, but still, you'd think think an Olympic wrestler would have the wherewithal to to stuff the takedowns. What's uh, Dawson's wrestling credentials? Does he even have any? Like, that, that was absolutely embarrassing. And that's one of those where... I don't think I'll ever view Mark Madsen the same ever again after that. That that was an epic stunt. And props to Dawson. He looked fantastic. Now, this was my worst event of the year. By far my worst event of the year. Um, so the Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira card. 
I just made some terrible bets. I mean, there's no excuses. I'm not like I said. I'm not gonna see her blame it on variance. Blame on you know. I just made bad bets on that. You know. Now my first bet of the night was great. Carlos Olberg against Nikolai Nagumariano. That was fantastic. One of the nastiest combos of the year, man. Dude hits him with a jab, takes a step back, and as Nikolai, um, you know, tries to close the distance, Carlos Olberg cracks him with this nasty check left hook and just fucking sent him down it was amazing the reyes and span fight listen i broke my rule i broke my rule my rule is you don't bet on guys coming off back to back to back brutal knockout losses or questioning themselves or leaving the the people that got them to the dance or doing all these things so that was a really embarrassing bet on my on my part my justification was well dominic only loses to you know, the best of the best, the John Jones, the Jan Blahoviches, the Jiris, the, the champs. Ryan Spann is nowhere near that. Not to mention, Ryan Spann barely beat Sam Alvey. And not to mention the kind of output numbers Reyes has put up throughout his career compared to Ryan Spann, it was night and day. But none of that mattered. Ryan Spann beat Dominic Reyes worse than John Jones, worse than Jan Blahovich, and worse than Yuri Prohaska. So... Dom's done. Props to Ryan Span, and that is a lesson learned. That is, I'm, I'm, like, I broke my rule, and I won't do it again. Next one, Brad Riddell, Hanata Moicano, a hey. <laughs> Moicano, my money, poha, you know, Joe fucking Hogan, you know what I'm saying? So props to Moicano on that. I was just dead wrong on that. And then Izzy and Alex, people can say early stoppage all they want. As someone who had money on. Uh, on Izzy, that was not an early stoppage, and fight played out much closer than I expected. But that was just my mistake. I mean, I literally watched their two kickboxing fights; they were both competitive. And now I'm going to come out here and lay minus two hundred on Izzy. I get it's a different sport, but it's a different sport. But it's not like Izzy's a wrestler. It's not like Izzy's a grappler. They're going to stand and strike just with four ounce gloves. So that was a really bad error on my part, and no excuses. Because, like I said, some of these other guys will be like, oh, early stoppage, variance. What are the chances of that? Where do you line them in a rematch? It's like I've seen Alex Pereira come back against Izzy and knock him out more than once. So I don't think you can call it a fluke or blame it on variance or do any of that same bullshit, bro. So take it on the chin. It was a bad bet. Then um, this was a really good bet. Muslim Salikov against Andre Fialio. I got him at plus 103. People were questioning me questioning me about those odds they're they're trying to tell me that those odds never existed that i made this bet up that i've come this far to do some bullshit like that they were available on let's see what uh i believe uh on pinnacle but look if you look on bet mma tips let me show y'all something you'll see this little uh this eye right here right okay so this eye what that does is it tells you i can't see because it, it's it's small print but it basically tells you what time you logged those odds and if they were available at that book and one cool thing that bet mma tips has is if you like log a false line they'll put a little blue account there and be like bro like the line you took was 25 percent better than what was available at the time so for everyone saying that this wasn't a real line firstly go fuck yourself and uh Secondly, shout out to Pinnacle for like, guys, it's okay to shop around different books and try to get the best price possible. That's what this is all about. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say about it. I felt like Muslim Salikov was disrespected because he lost to Lee the Leech. Lee the Leech is one of the best knockout artists in the history of the welterweight division, man. And Andre Fialio was coming off a brutal one, a brutal one. And not to mention, even the fights he won, Fialio was getting rocked in a lot of those. So I was happy with that. Um, next event went really well. I took my boy Natan Levy. And by the way, we spell our, our last names different. Mine's with the I, his with, is with a Y, but I took him against, like, like this is another one of my angles. I fade guys that don't belong in the UFC. And no disrespect to Gennaro. Like, I like Gennaro. He's an exciting Mexican warrior. He's fun to watch. If he's fighting on a regional scene next, I'll, I'll probably catch his fight, right? But Gennaro Valdez, firstly, his contender series fight was getting dropped all over the place by an Alaska FC jobber. It was really bad. And then um, goes into his UFC debut and his opponent, Matt Frivola. Matt Frivola is the guy that's known for getting dropped every single fight. Matt Frivola set the lightweight take, uh, set the lightweight knockdown record against Valdez. So, yeah, I think they were setting Levy up for a win, and that's exactly what happened. And then this one I was super happy about. Uh, Phil Rowe against Nico Price at plus 120. The reason I was happy about it was because... On one hand, I feel like I've been on the Phil Rowe train since the beginning. I actually sparred with Phil Rowe a couple of years back at X3 when I was talking about how I, one of the ways I immersed myself uh, in the betting, not in the betting, in the fight game, was I went to this gym called X3 where all the pro fighters were fighting at the time. Um, the Jared Goodens, the Robert Hales, the Nathan Williams. Uh, Phil Rowe stopped by every now and then. I even smoked a blunt with uh, Charles uh, Crazy Horse Bennett, or Felony Bennett is his new name now. and just see jamal emmer showed up from time to time so like and thank god phil Rowe took it easy on me because he could have fucking killed me but you know thank 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 you phil i appreciate that bro but i bet on phil Rowe against gabe green didn't come through but it wasn't a bad bet it was a dog uh money bet on a fight that was very close to the wire then obviously bet him and knock out uh jason witt and then bet him here against nico price but the reason i was really happy about this was not only did i get dog odds plus 120 but I've been watching Nico Price's last few fights and thinking to myself, man, I'm going to fade this guy because Nico Price obviously came into the UFC, stormed out there, knocked a ton of people out, had some incredible finishes, but but takes entirely too much damage, isn't the fastest or most athletic guy. Now it's starting to come off the surgeries. The miles are adding up. So I felt like this was a perfect spot for Phil Rowe, and I was really happy with that. And then my last event of the year, um went out could have been better but went out with a bang man i mean <laughs> let's talk about santiago and alex morano first so santiago was down on two cards I actually thought it was one one but he was down on two cards and thank god morano took the fight on short notice and you know slowed down dramatically and then got clipped and went down in the third round so you know i i, I was happy to cash on that even though you know it was a, it was a sweat um, Magomed and Kaliev against Jan Blahovic. Listen, I thought Magomed won the fight. Thank God he didn't lose a controversial split. I would have been so pissed, but draws better than a loss. But I thought Magomed got the first, fourth, and fifth pretty clearly. But it is what it is. It's funny how, like, the last two Jan Blahovic fights seemed like they weren't going his way. And then somehow he doesn't lose either of them the Rakic and uh, the Ankalaev fight. It's crazy, right? Um, but my favorite bet of that night, and I should have went bigger on that, was Raul Rosas Jr. against Jay Perrin. Dude, 
Jay Perrin has to be the biggest jobber on the UFC roster, if he even is on the UFC roster anymore. Like, comes in the UFC, just gets Molly Wap pillar to post against Mario Bautista, which there's no shame in, but, you know, didn't show anything that made me think this, this is a guy that's going to come out here and win UFC fights. Next fight against Orichi Lang, still just doesn't do enough, gets cracked with the cleaner shots. And the way he was talking before the uh, Raul Rosas fight, like the night before, he's beefing with fans on Twitter. He's setting his Twitter account on private. Like you can tell this guy is not ready for a big moment fight, not even ready for the UFC period, man. And Raul Rosa is like, yeah, I get it. He's 18. So therefore, you know, how good can he really be? And dude, I don't need you to be good to beat Jay Perrin. <laughs> it's not like I sat here and said that Raul Rosas was going to come out here and, you know, beat Sterling in a second fight or something. I just need him to go out there and beat this complete bum Jay Perrin. And that's exactly what he did. So, yeah, I was, I was happy because people were like, they have these vendettas against these fighters for certain reasons. Is it because he's 18? Is it because he looks like Bigfoot? Is it because you think he's getting preferential treatment? Like, whatever the. Like, I don't care about all that. I just care about the matchup. And the matchup was, you know, this 18-year-old phenom against, no offense, but a bum. <laughs> That's probably not ever going to win a UFC fight. And I was talking like a, like was talking like someone that was ready to pull a stunt. And that's exactly what happened. And, like, at the weigh-ins is like, oh, you're a pussy. You're not going to get me down one time. And then he gets him down twice in, like, the first minute. Like, Yeah. Jay Perrin ever fights again in the UFC, he will be max bet faded. So that that was, you know, and then like I said, back to the discipline talk. I felt like I didn't really have much of an edge. The next card in the in the, in the Strickland versus Cannoneer. So I sat the event out, guys. It's okay to sit an event out. It's okay to like. That's the thing I hate about touting. Like you can't sit these events out. You owe these guys something. You send them two plays. They're mad you didn't send them four plays. Yeah. Like one time I get <laughs> you give them a max bet winner, but because there was some early adversity, therefore it's not good enough. So it's just I just had enough of that bullshit and I'm feeling so much better doing this for me. Like when I lost a bet when I was taught, I fucking like want to cry. When like when I lose a bet now, it's like, okay, on to the next. No big deal. Like this is a long term game. But like since I knew so many other people lost with me, it really fucking bothered me. So that's why I just cut the cord on that shit like i don't need that money dude like i do very well for myself um i've made great investments i've got great fa great friends a fantastic family so i'm all good like i just thought at the time it was the right move to go top but uh i learned from my mistakes and i'm not going to be doing that shit no more and i haven't done that shit in like over a year and a half and as a result i put up my best year to date so i hope that you guys got something out of this um and I'd be happy to answer some fan questions if anything wasn't clear uh, or whatever the case may be, just whatever last call for questions. But guys, I, I just want to truly thank y'all because I know a lot of people wrote me off um, after 2021 saying I was washed up, saying I was done, saying my record was going to go to zero, saying that I'm a fraud, saying that I'm this, I'm that. And I put my head down, I grinded, and I came out here and put forth my best year to date. Um, 30 excuse me 53.25 units with a 25 percent roi best best unit count today and best roi today and i know that's what i'm capable of moving forward so 
I just plan to just keep doing my best and keep following the same process, keep keeping this good headspace, keep training jujitsu every day and just come out here and, and do my best. So that's it. And I'm always down to talk with the fans, uh, especially the people that support me, even the guys that act like they're nice to me, but talk shit about me in their circle jerk uh, discords. Like some of these guys are actually like are actually pretty cool. It's just some of them just seem like you know very negative people but it is what it is man um at the end of the day i'm the one out here making the bets you ain't making the bets for me so you know and, and i hear people talking about all oh, these capper clicks and this and that it's like dude i don't give a fuck what anybody's picking i don't even listen to these other shows not because i have anything against them or think i'm so much better it's just i'm just worried about myself like you're not placing bets for me i'm not placing bets for you so um you just have to truly trust your read and the reason i keep bringing up like jujitsu and you know getting involved in the fight game is because those kind of things help you understand the sport better and as a result i think it's helped my um my betting on it so yeah and guys it's okay to it's okay to say no it, you know and not just in here but in all areas of life it's okay to sit an event out it's okay to do what's best for you mentally like those few months i took off like and i just got to sit down and watch these events just as a fan like they worked wonders for me and then i got that fire back and now i'm betting like i used to even better than i used to so um but i still think there's room for growth i still think there's room for improvement and i still think that you know because you gotta think about it when you have what's my sample size eight years none of these guys on here have like eight year track sample sizes so when they get to like their seventh and eighth years i want to know how they do because it's easy to come out hot out the gate right but can you sustain it over a long period of time that, that's what i want to know and i think i've proven myself that i can but i still have more aspirations i want to have an 100 unit profit year i want to have a 30 percent roi year so i'm going to do my best that's it all right well i'm going to answer some questions now um fight uh supervisor said looking forward to this always appreciate transparency hoping to learn a thing or two for my 2023 20, gambling year i appreciate that man i hope this helped my boy joseph dan what's up bud looking forward thank you so much my man the carousel the carousel didn't have half the battle on his top five podcast of the year and he had some dudes that have been doing this for like two months like, like come on son like, I, I love you moise but like come on son you're you're better than that um fight supervisor said never live bet while drinking yeah <laughs> uh, my boy tv said hope for even more success this year i hope the same for you as well he also said gotta choose your battles and enjoy life 100 percent. he said 10 commandments or something gospel out here hey i hope it helped i hope it helped if not they get the cone treatment you know what i'm saying uh tajik what's up man he said being humble is key hell yeah uh my boy marcus hit up the nubian bookstore he said he's enjoying the show i'm, I'm glad to hear that um yeah let's see uh is there anything else my boy pepe said clean work this year i appreciate it man you're one of the guys i respect man you know you've always kept it real with me so I'll do the same for you and I respect you. Taylor said, Big Dan L, what up? What up? What up? My boy Kyrix. 
You said Makachev was his only max bet of the year. Nice, great, great job. Mario said he hard he he went hard on Reyes and fell into the same trap. Yeah, it sucks when that happens. Um, Taylor says, look out for Hussein Askabov. I'll look out for him for sure. <laughs> G-Man said, I'm trying to get into a circle jerk. Just go hit those guys up uh, for their Discord, and then afterwards you can become part of the MMA Twitter police <laughs> and be a shitty gambler while doing it. <laughs> nah. Uh, Pepe said, do you live bet at all? Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, but like that other dude said, it's better not to live bet when you're under the influence, right? But if, if there's just such an opportunity that you can't resist, and even in your inebriated state of mind, you still see the value, then I don't see the issue with it, right? Um, Mario said, how do you define your unit size and update it uh, through time if you do all that? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So when I had, in 2017, when I had the 44 unit year, um, I was up to a thousand a unit, but, um, and I still kept that going. But when I started like really tanking and, um, in 2021 and I started not believing in myself, um, thank God I actually lowered my unit size there to 500 to 250, you know, to, to, to get it down because I wasn't believing in myself. I, I, I thought that I was in, I was going through one of those phases where like, man, I just can't win a bet. So then when I took that time off, then I grew it back up and now we're back where we were. So I'm happy about that. Um, Taylor Ramey said, um, oh, just on his Russian prospect. Okay, cool. Last call for questions. If you guys got anything else, this is the time. If not, I hope that this was informative. I hope it was entertaining. Um, and then back to the whole, you know, when I'm telling you guys, to think for yourselves that doesn't mean to stop listening to these other shows like these guys can be entertaining they can provide you know details and facts that you might have not scenarios that you might have not even thought of before or they can confirm things that maybe you saw on tape you want to see if anyone else noticed so definitely definitely and if you just aren't interested in putting in the work and you want to tell some guys that long term put up good results i get it but I still am an adamant believer in thinking for yourself. And, you know, when you see, like, when, when I asked what the best bet was and literally every single person responds, Ketlin Vieira, not saying she's going to lose. I'm just saying, like, how, like, where's your edge when, like, it's minus 110 and this fight is most likely going to be a split decision and the judges are as fucking horrendous as they are. Now, if it's not a split decision type fight, then and she goes out there and dominates, which I don't believe she's ever done. Don't even bring up the Misha fight. Two judges had it 48-47. In all these fights, Ketlin loses rounds. So I'm just saying, like, if she clean sweeps her, y'all were right. And I'm not even saying she's going to lose. I'm just saying, like, that's the spot that you found the most value in? Like, a fight that's most likely going to be a split with terrible judging, and you have to lay chalk? You have to lay minus money? That that's where your edge is, you know? So yeah. Just ain't for me. Taylor said, who should Saruki fight next? Um, I don't know. Let me pull up the rankings. You guys know the deal. When I when I don't know, I, we pull up the rankings. So let's see what the rankings have to say about this. So the rankings currently say 
that Saruki is number nine in the world, which is absolutely fucking hilarious because, like, we keep talking about um, all these old school guys um, are about to be ushered out the rankings. At least he's finally ahead of Dan Hooker. Um, but, like, RDA said he's done with 155. Get him out the rankings. Michael Chandler, he's entertaining, but Michael Chandler's got a losing UFC record, and the guys he beat are on their way out. Like, why the fuck is he number five in the world? Because he was a champ in another organization? Come on, son. So, yeah, I just see these guys. It would have been Demir, but he retired. But, like, you know, I see these guys like the, the Jalen Turners, the Rafael Fazeves, the Armin Sarukians. Um, even Benil can even move up more. Like I see these guys overtaking the top of the top, even like a guy like, uh, Moises or, or Gura. I'm not saying that Moises or Guram are going to you know be top five guys, but I can see them usher out a Dan hooker from the rankings. So it's pretty much what I think about that. All right. Last call for questions. If not, get the fuck out of here. You got to go help my brother move all his shit into his u-haul and help him move you know he's about to go uh, live with his girlfriend uh in the midwest so all right let's see he said sorry for another question it's okay you don't need to be sorry assuming Rakic is ready to rock and roll who would you like to see him come back against in his return um i don't know let's see what the rankings say the rankings say that Rakic is currently number five in the world how the fuck is Jamal Hill number seven? He's about to fight for a title. That's total bullshit. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can do Rakic versus Blahovich rematch. There's Rakic and Anka Live. There's Rakic and Glover. There's Rakic and Yuri. There's Rakic and Jamal Hill. There's Rakic and Krilov. I mean, dude, there's if Span somehow beats Krilov, there's Span and Rakic. Like, there's so many matchups uh, that you can make which is what's great. All these weight classes are truly filling out and cutting out the fat. So I'm just happy to see it. And guys, I'm truly grateful. Um, oh yeah. So what I want to say, I think I kind of like got sidetracked was that. Um, so a lot of people were counting me out in, uh, I, I, you know, when 2021 was going on and this and that, and we're saying I was on my way out. We're saying I was a fraud. We're saying my record's about to go to zero, but a lot of y'all still believed in me. A lot of y'all still thought that, like, hey, like, he's still got it. You just got to figure a couple things out. Because you got to understand, my record is getting close to a 10-year sample size. Like, I know that when y'all get to this many years tracked, like, not every year is going to be sunshine and roses, guys. Like, you're going to have to battle. <laughs> you're going to have to battle from times, man. Like, there's going to be ups and downs. And how you rebound from that says a lot. Because some of these other guys... They come out here riding hot, but as soon as they go on that skid, you know, they they come back with a new name, they delete their record, they do the whole bit. Or you'll see guys with losing record selling picks. So yeah, it's an interesting, interesting game we're in. But at the end of the day, you just gotta do this for you. But when I say do it for me, I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean my bets are selfish, but I still love interacting with all the positive people here and sharing what i can share to hopefully help you guys out even one percent and if i can do that then i did my job so i truly truly appreciate you guys i'll be back next week to break down the imavov versus gastelum card i'm very much looking forward to that you can follow me on twitter at best fight picks you can subscribe to half the battle 
everywhere podcasts are found. And guys, after this, please leave me a comment. Like, tell me like what your best and worst bets of 2022 were and, and also what you're looking to improve in uh, 2023. Like, leave me that comment. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Truly means a lot to me. Um, my boy said... Hell yeah, win or lose isn't why I watch. Just appreciate your insight and attitude. Cheers to 2023. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. So, yeah, so I'll be back next week, guys. Thank you so much for everything, your support. And again, I know that. So, I come out the gates hot, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017. Next three years, I still end in the green, but like, you know, not as good as the first three years. Then I had that, that shitty year. So, it could have seemed like I was trending down. And, the fact that like so many of y'all didn't give up on me, y'all realize that, hey, this truly is a long-term game. And when you're trying to achieve a, not a like two-year sample size, but like, a, I don't want to say lifetime sample size, that sounds funny, but like, you know, a 10 to 20 to 30-year sample size, not every year is going to be your best year. Um, but now that the touting bullshit is completely behind me and that I can really go back to just doing this for me and and just truly have that passion for the sport again i'm just excited for what's to come so thank you guys again for everything truly sincerely appreciate it leave me that comment hit the like button hit the subscribe button i'll be back uh next week to break down the ufc vegas car between uh gastelum and imbavov also you know huge positive vibes to damar from uh from the bills man we're all pulling through for you man you know something's bigger than sports and yeah you know i'm I'm just speechless on the whole thing so man i really hope that dude makes a full recovery you know like even if he can't play football again uh, even if he can't play football again like at least like let the man be able to walk let the man be able to talk like let the man be able to like live his life and that's what i hope for so Thank you guys again. Look forward to uh, next week. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.